Well, good morning one more time. Uh, happy Easter, uh, or as we like to say at the Rock Church, Happy Resurrection Sunday, which is our way of avoiding the bunny rabbit. <laughs> yeah, he's okay, sometimes. <laughs> Open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 24. Um, for those of you who are visiting, we've been going through, and it is our pattern to go through books of the Bible, and we've been going through Luke over a period of three years, the pandemic kind of blew some things up on us, and, but also we like to take breaks because it's a big gospel and do some other books along the way. But uh, we planned it, or we tried to anyway, uh, to be back in Luke when we were going through the Passion Week, which we've been doing for the last few weeks. And then today we arrive at Resurrection Sunday, so it's perfect. Um, yeah, it's just the, the pattern that we use here. And um, so we're, we're going to be doing something interesting today. I'm going to read a very long passage. And the reason for that is as we know uh, Luke wrote this orderly account for his good friend Theophilus, and it's detailed. I mean, he was a previously a skeptic, uh, unbeliever, came to faith through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, we believe, and, uh, and it's, it, he wanted to write this account for Theophilus so that he would have certainty about his faith in Jesus Christ. And so a lot of details. And in his gospel, he, he spends 49 verses just talking about this day. And so I want to read all 49 verses. I promise you in advance, we will not do what we normally do, which is verse by verse okay. uh, exposition, because we would be here until, right, um, way too long. So read with me. If you have your Bible with you on a phone or a, a printed version, it would be good. I, I want to read the whole passage and somewhat slowly. So let's meditate on these words. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bound their faces to the ground, the men said to them, "'Why do you seek the living among the dead?' He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still here in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these word, words seemed to the apostles an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and, when, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking, discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? 
And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going to go further, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they had seen a ghost, a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, He showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you got anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning here in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the reading of God's word. Pray with me, would you? 
Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, <laughs> what a record of this amazing day. J- just one of four records, at least written, that we have of this day. The morning, the afternoon, and even the evening. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you that we have these words. Thank you for bringing these things to the memory of all those that Dr. Luke interviewed and, and, and for inspiring him to write this orderly account in the way that he did. It teaches us a lot. Holy Spirit, I hope that you will reveal that to us today, just as Jesus, in each one of these circumstances, explained it to the women, to the two on the road, and to all of his disciples. And so I pray you would bless our time together this morning. In Jesus' worthy name, amen. So as I mentioned, you're going to thank me later. We're not going to do this verse by verse, which I usually do. Uh, it's a long passage. It, it is, again, this orderly account. Um, I've said it before. I, I don't know. Like I, I love Paul. Like I love Ephesians and Colossians and all these books. But the writings of Luke, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, which follows this very chapter in Luke, I, I just every time I come back to them, I just love them. I just love the way he organizes the, the thoughts. And, and, you know, it's 2,000 years out, right? And, and yet it, it's his mindset and the way that the Holy Spirit prompted him to put these things together. Speak to right now. It, it, it's very relevant. It's fresh. I hope you'll see that today. So my hope is we'll, we'll look at maybe two or three key pictures that we can see in each one of these passages. Um, there's an outline that some people have used for this, which I'm not really going to use, but it's, it's like the, the first is uh, the tomb, the second is the road, and the third is the room, right? And simple three-part, it's not, not on screen, thank you very much, but that, that's one kind of an outline. And, and yet, why would, why would Luke do this? Why would the Holy Spirit inspire him to tell these three stories? There's many stories that happened on this day. They're ordered specifically to show us some very important things. And so again, most of you know this, but Luke himself never met Jesus. He never had that pleasure, face-to-face, that is. He was a skeptic, who, a Greek who came to faith. And um, he had this good friend, Theophilus, who he's writing this account for. That's a, that, he, he's witnessing to him, but he's already a believer, we would assume Theophilus is. And so what he did is he went and he interviewed all of the eyewitnesses, all of the people who were, in fact, there. And so that would have included the apostles, that would have included Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, go back to the beginning of the book of Luke and her own words and, and, and things that she said, and it's recorded. How did he know that? He interviewed her. He spoke to her. These things were given to him, and he wrote them, wrote them down. And this is his account of this day. So I want to start off by, by one of the more obvious, I think, in this passage that Luke is trying to make this point to us, okay? And it is point number one for you today, if you're taking notes, is... The resurrection is a historical fact. Now, every preacher on a, on a Easter Sunday kind of wants to make that point. I don't need to make that point. I believe it. It's true. Luke makes the point. The Holy Spirit makes the point. It's fantastic. Those who, those who of course, deny the resurrection, uh, the one thing that they will say to, the, to Christians is, is, look, okay, look, guys, we understand 
You know, we understand these guys, you know, they, they had this special relationship with Jesus. He, he was a fantastic, powerful orator and, and did wonderful things. And, you know, granted, maybe even a few miracles, like, okay, maybe. And so their hearts were such that, you know, they, they, they loved him so much. They had such great hope in him. But come on, honestly, at the end of the day, they made this up. They made this part up. That's what most skeptics I, I've ever encountered would actually say. They would say, seriously, we, we understand. Even today, why you would have that hope. It's like the, it's the good old Christian crutch, right? Because if Jesus rose from the dead, what happens to us? We rise from the dead, right? Which There's hope, right? And so the skeptic looks at it that way. And I understand. I was a skeptic too at one point in time. So all of you skeptics here or there, we love you. Um, keep listening. The truth is, however, as we look at... Luke's record, the evidence that it's not a made-up story is overwhelming. You all know the story because I quote him often, and so does my favorite pastor, Tim Keller. Uh, C.S. Lewis often told the story of how he and his good buddy, J.R.R. Tolkien, who were, of course, myth writers, fantasy writers, who were English professors over there in the land of English professors in England, right? And, and he knew, he knew for a fact what mythology and fantasy looked like. But he also knew history. He knew what kind of myth and fantasy was written back in those days. And as he walked and talked with his inkling buddies and with J.R.R., he came to realize as he went to the Gospels, and specifically the Gospel of Luke, he realized this is not made up. It doesn't fit the profile of any kind of myth or fantasy. The evidence is right there. And it's one of the reasons why he became a Christian at that point in time. He just, he believed, and Luke's gospel was the one that really, really set him up for that. So we see that most clearly, as I'm suggesting here in Luke's narrative. So let's look at a few keys here. First, as we read that story, think about it, None of them, none of the disciples, none of the women, none of the two on the road, none of the disciples understood what was going on on the day, did they? We we don't read of anyone who was going, yeah, come on, of course, this is what was supposed to happen. You know, we know that. No, they they were all, quite frankly, either perplexed or marveling, which is not belief, by the way, right? They, They didn't understand what was going on. It's clear when you read this text. And again, if you're making up a story where you want to prove your point, you, you don't put that kind of stuff into the, into the document. It just, it really makes it look crazy. So then after they also heard the report of the angel that he was alive, the women did, and they run back to the apostles. The, the, the real literal Greek is like, the guys laughed at the women. They laughed at them. It was like utter disbelief, right? I don't know how the women felt, the Marys and so forth felt, but I, well, I'm sure they felt belittled because they, they were just reporting what they were told. And, but I guess the bottom line is, well, but did you see him? <laughs> did you actually see him? Right? No, no, you didn't, did you? So they didn't believe it. It was like an idle tale is what they, what they said. And then, of course, later, as a result of that, Peter's a little bit hopeful. Like Peter who, you know, good old Peter. But Peter runs to the tomb, and, and it says in the text that he looked in, and, and the word that's used is he, he marveled. It's not belief. <laughs> He's like, what happened here? So they don't get it. None of them do early on. Another point often highlighted, of course, in these first 12 verses 
is the idea that women were the first witnesses of the empty tomb. Now, John's gospel also tells us that women were the first to actually see the risen Jesus. And that's amazing. Again, here's the point. It's an important point. It's made all the time. But again, if you in that culture in that day were to write this and say that, like, this is, this is lending credibility to the truth of the resurrection, that women saw the empty tomb and saw Jesus. It didn't work that way in those days. In fact, the theory is that maybe one of the reasons why Luke is writing this gospel to his good friend Theophilus is because Theophilus struggled with this. He was likely a government official in, in, in those days, and he would have known that a, a woman wasn't allowed to come to court and testify. Women in those days were not highly esteemed, especially their testimony. So again, you're writing a book, you're writing a document that's supposed to prove the resurrection, and you use that. Good thing here is that Luke is like, okay, Theophilus, if that is your problem, too bad. I'm just going to tell the truth. (laughs) I'm going to write the facts. And the facts are women were present on that day. And women were a big part of Jesus' ministry. Big part. And, and Jesus made sure that every woman who followed him felt equally loved and valued as any man. Amen? <laughs> women are nodding. <laughs> he held women in very high esteem. And he, quite frankly, set the bar for that. So next we see, this is interesting, we see on the road to Emmaus, again, probably one of my favorite stories of Resurrection Sunday, is Cleopas and his wife, we believe, uh, were on the road to Emmaus, and they're clearly dejected. Like, when you read the story, I love it, because it's like, again, it's so figurative. You can, you can think they're walking around, like they're, they're leaving Jerusalem, right? They, they don't believe, they've given up hope, and all of a sudden, you know, like, along the side of the road, Jesus just saunters up beside them. I love that, saunter, I love the word saunter. He just comes up beside them, and he starts walking with them, and he goes, why are you so sad, right? As they're going home, and they've given up. The interesting thing is, if you go to John chapter 19, and again, this is theory, but I think it's potentially pretty accurate, it's mentioned there that Mary, the mother of Jesus, has a sister whose name is also Mary. That's a little confusing, except for the fact that it's probably that she's a stepsister, right? And, And that her husband is Cleopas. And so it's quite likely this is the couple that's walking away. So the picture is, is that Jesus, now imagine this, the day that he rises from the dead, He loves the women, he loves his disciples, but he loves his Aunt Mary and his Uncle Cleopas. I don't know. And and he goes to them. To to what? To turn them back home, back to Jerusalem, to come back to be with the disciples. It's a beautiful picture. And and they, of course, as they're heading home after this, they they say this, it'll be on screen for you, verse uh, 21 of chapter 24. As, As they're explaining this to Jesus, they said, but listen, we had hoped. We had hoped that he, oh, you, were or was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. So a little hint there, a little clue, something about the third day. They knew something, but they're still walking away. So it's likely afternoon at this point in time. So next we we get to the room. Another example which defies the logic of a made-up story is when Jesus does appear to his disciples in the upper room, they still don't believe. I love, again, this is, this is it's, an, it's crazy stuff, but they think, of course, right away when he appears before them that they're seeing a ghost, a spirit. 
I mean, that's what's reported. That's how Luke writes it. Why? Well, because that's what they told him. <laughs> we were there, and at first we were like, what is this? So Jesus says to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And, of course, they believed right at that point. They were like, yeah, Jesus, big hugs. You're, you're alive. No. <laughs> they still didn't believe. He said, Look. Look. They still didn't believe. What we read next that, that, that even shows, he shows them the hands and feet. And, again, I love to make this point about good old Thomas, who has been called Doubting Thomas, and I think that is a terrible title. Um, and I stick up for him because apparently he was also probably my height. And um, he's not. He only wanted the same thing that they got. Didn't he? I, I got to see it. They got to see it. It's beautiful. So Jesus can tell that they don't believe the fact that it is him and that he is live. So he says to them this. Okay, look it. Have any of you got something to eat? <laughs> okay? I don't want you to be in doubt. I want you to believe. I want you to trust this. This really is me. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. I love what uh, Pastor Tim Keller, he asked a question at this point in the text in his commentary. He says, why in the world would Luke record this bit about eating a fish? I mean, come on. I'm sure C.S. Lewis was like, wow. I don't think I would ever be that creative, like, to come up with that. Like, and, and the answer Keller gives is, because it happened. Because it really happened. This actually happened on the day that Jesus rose. And so I'll add just this. You don't make this kind of stuff up. You don't. There's some really creative writers out there, but they're not this creative. We don't make this kind of stuff up. And anyone really trying to create this kind of fantastic story about the greatest hero to ever live wouldn't write it this way. This is reporting of truth and fact. So secondly, and this is key, none of the Gospels tell us Jesus was res- how Jesus was resurrected. You notice that? Have you read them? There's no Gospel where it actually tells us how. I mean, we know an angel rolled the, the stone away because even when the women, and I think it's in John's Gospel, were coming to the tomb, they, they were wondering, okay, how are we going to move that stone, right? So it's an angel of the Lord moves the stone. And, but how, how does, okay, because the linen cloths are on the the, the, ta- the table that he, was, that he was set on, right? On the stone that he was set on. And so he's not got clothes. So, but there's no reporting of it. I mean, the next thing we know, he is standing in front of Mary with clothes on. So there's no reporting at all of how it happened. And again, the question is why? And again, the answer is because none of them saw it. And again, if if you're going to, listen, if we're going to create a story that everyone in the world is going to completely believe, this has got to be the point in the story where you're going to go, we're going to create, this is where fireworks are going off, man. This is is going to be really, really amazing. And this is going to be the clincher. And and everybody's going to believe because we, we can tell you how it happened kind of came out of the clothes and out of the building and then raised up in the sky and the, the Lord dressed him and he came back down. None of it. None of it happens. In the words of one commentator that I read, he said this, 
the evidential value of the disciples' slowness to believe cannot be overstated. I love that. And so how did they resist creatively imagining a really spellbinding story of how it happened? They resisted because they're not myth makers. They are witnesses. They are witnesses. Finally, in the early church, the celebration of Easter, this is an interesting point that I read, was was, wasn't a joyful one like it is for us today. Like for us today, even though there's some people who are, are thinking we're right in our heads to be doing this, but uh, we're allowed to, we're a free country. But in, in the early days of the church, imagine, uh, the early days of the church were in Jerusalem, in Judea. Oh, sure, it spread to the Samaria and the ends of the earth over a, a number of 20, 30 years. But early on, anyway, they're, they're preaching the resurrection of Jesus in their hometown of Jerusalem, where they have brothers and sisters who are Jewish, who rejected Jesus, who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And yet they're celebrating this day and celebrating the event where they're saying to their brothers and sisters, yeah, you killed him. But he was and is the Messiah. And he did rise from the dead and he is alive today. We think that our day, in our day and age, it's offensive to the world, what we say. Imagine how offensive that would have been. And yet, they did it. And if they hadn't, well, how would we have ever heard? So why, why would they do it? Why would they continue to tell the story? Why would they write it down and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, even under that hostile environment? Well, because it's a historical fact. It's true. Secondly, the resurrection informs us about all of Scripture. And again, this is something that I read in a commentary, which was great to give the point anyway, um, that I hadn't seen before either. So how many times have I read this text? How many times have you read it? How many times have you heard it read, right? And we just go by it. It's great. The women at the tomb, the road to Emmaus, you know, the upper room, the fish. It's an awesome story. Let's go home and have some cake, you know. But as we look at this, and we unpack it, it's remarkable. Because in each section, whether it's the tomb, the road, or the room, we hear, for example, in the first case, we hear angels asking the women why they're looking for the living among the dead. What, what are you doing here? Why are you, why are you doing that? And, and what, they, what is said to them by the angels is, remember how he, look at those words, told you. How Jesus, remember how he told you? while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And listen, look, and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So, So before the cross, they didn't really understand the scripture, did they? Even their Old Testament scripture. They didn't really understand it. Has it pointed to Jesus? We had a Passover Seder this past week, which we do most years between uh, on uh, Monday, Thursday. And, um, you know, the elements, I mean, the, the, the elements of the Passover Seder are so remarkable. Now, the, the Jewish people would go through all the elements and they, they would not see, they would just, it was an element that reminded them of the Passover where they were saved by the blood of a lamb over the doorposts of their homes. But today, we, we, we look at these elements like the matzah, that is pierced for his transgressions. And, and the whole act, the whole, it, it all points to Christ. But listen, before the cross and 
Without the resurrection, it wouldn't make sense. And so we see here, first of all, with these women, that they remembered what now it, oh, light bulb's going off, penny dropping. Oh, hold on. Starting to understand. And so before the cross, I'll just say it again, they didn't really understand the scripture or even Jesus' own words. He is the word of God. We know that. And he did say what must happen to the Son of Man. He told them repeatedly, this is going to, what must happen. Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. You're going to redeem Israel, right? Become king and everything's going to be good? Okay. They didn't understand. But now as a result of the resurrection and the angel's words, they remember. Same on the road to Emmaus. When Jesus first encounters them and asks them why they're so sad, we've been over this, but, but first they say this to him, our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since he said these things or these things happened. Look at Jesus' reply. It's not an angel now. Now it's Jesus speaking directly to them. Oh, foolish ones. He's not putting them down. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then Luke records, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. Can you imagine this Bible study? <laughs> Can you just imagine this? But again, look what's happening. It, th- this, is, this is him now revealing the scripture, opening their minds of the scripture, past, present, and even some prophetic future, and explaining it all to them. How long do you think my sermons are long? <laughs> some of you. And I know he's Jesus, so he gets away with it. It's all right. It's totally good. So the point is, they had hoped he was the Messiah. They thought they'd understood the Old Testament and even the teachings of Jesus, but not until now fully. The resurrection makes that clear. It makes the cross clear. So without, it's, they're really important. And then after he had proved to his disciples that it was really him and that he was really alive, after eating some fish, what did he say? Well, he said, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then I love this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Skeptic, if any of you are a skeptic or anyone watching online is a skeptic, pray that he opens your mind. Otherwise, it'll sound foolish. It just will. He needs to open their minds. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. So again, the resurrection, the day of the resurrection is all about the fulfillment of Scripture. It makes perfect sense out of all of Scripture. All of the prophecies make sense out of the cross. Without the resurrection, the cross is just cruel. It's just cruel. And so finally for us today, the resurrection is our message. It's our message. And again, he gives it to us right here. It's like, this is not Matthew 28, but it's right here. It's beautiful. He concludes the message to his disciples by saying this, and that, look at this, repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in my name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Stop there. What were the first words that Jesus spoke when he came back from the the desert where he was in the wilderness where he was being attacked by Satan? 
been tempted by Satan. His words were, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's closing his days and his ministry by saying to his disciples, oh, by the way, this is now your job. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in my name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then he says, you are my witnesses. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And as we close the Gospel of Luke next week with the Ascension, we're going to go into his next book, the beginning of the book of Acts, and see that. So for us today, the resurrection is a historical fact. It makes sense of the cross and informs us of all Scripture, and it is the message we are to take to this world, this broken and dying world. We are his witnesses. Friend, this may be a surprise to you, but if you're in Christ here today, that's true that you are his witness because, you know what? Spiritually speaking, you have already been raised from the dead. Do you feel it? (laughs) It's kind of exciting. Glory be to God that one day this physical body will be resurrected from the dead too, right? And it will look way better and it'll be taller than the one that I currently have. Thank you, Lord. Honestly, what a hope, eh? I mean, like, really, it's a beautiful hope. So, friends, listen, as we take this message to our neighbors, to the skeptic out there, there's a lot of them, let's remember that everyone in this story was a skeptic. Everyone in this story was a skeptic. You were a skeptic. I was a skeptic. We all were. So, so may I suggest that what we do is we begin with what Paul, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, with what's of first importance, right? And again, I'm going to kind of paraphrase uh, Tim Keller because he said something like this. Uh, he, he said, listen, if, if, if the resurrection isn't true, and even this morning Rudy was praying like the Apostle Paul says, then we're the ultimate fools, Right? And, 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 and if it isn't true, we're still dead in our sins. But if it isn't true, then there's nothing that you should believe in the Bible. The whole Bible, Bible is just myth, just fantasy. However, if it is true, and it is, everything that is in the Bible is true and is there so that we might flourish and especially so that we may be once again with our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me close by simply reading the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 9. 18 to 20 years after this day, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Paul, you know the story. Listen to what he writes of what's of first importance. Because it's like he obviously had the Holy Spirit, and secondly, he obviously heard the eyewitness stories. And as he will say, some of them have fallen asleep, but most of them are still alive today. His words beginning in verse 3 are, For I delivered to you, my dear church in Corinth, as of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for our sins. That's where our message starts. 
We're sinners. Christ died for our sins. In, look at this, accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to, as, last of all as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He is risen. He is risen. (laughs) Amen. Let's pray.